0: We started this season with an American family in the real world, and so much has changed since then. The Louds and cast members like Norman Corpy, they went in sort of blind. Blind to what would be made of their experience, how they'd be portrayed, but also ignorant to the platform they'd soon get, and how to use it. They went from no names to being stopped on the street, But in 2021, it's not enough to just become famous. To really capitalize on your 15 minutes, you need to tell a story, and it needs to feel real, authentic. You'd never guess the show we think perfectly captures this shift. It's like the real world, but dystopian. Circle, can I see Alana's profile? Similarly to the real world, it's a bunch of strangers picked to live together, but they don't bond over breakfast or have drunken nights out. All their conversations happen virtually, and they stay locked up in their respective rooms. The only way they can talk is through the circle. On social media,
1: you can be
2: anyone. Let the games begin.
1: And say anything.
2: Okay, okay, let me think.
1: So, who would you be if $100,000 was on the line? Welcome to The Circle. What's up, Circle? A new social experiment where players don't meet face to face. What? They only communicate through the circle.
2: Circle. Circle. Circle?
1: Take me to my profile. Okay,
0: The Circle sounds mysterious, but they're basically dictating messages out loud to a TV. I know Big Brother thought it truly channeled those Orwellian vibes, but I'm telling you, The Circle takes it to the next level. The Circle has a bunch of different versions, UK, US, Brazil, France, but you'd never know they're actually all filmed in the same place. And the English city called Salford, so participants are not only isolated from each other, but most of the time, they're thousands of miles from home.
2: Everybody knows that the show is filmed in Europe, and so they don't eat spicy food the way I do in Texas in Europe. So they start high and low and found me hot Cheetos.
0: That's Chris Sapphire. He's a Latinx, gay, God-fearing ray of sunshine and one of the breakout stars of the Circle U.S. The version we'll be discussing. Basically, the show is a popularity contest with a cash prize of $100,000.
3: A bunch of contestants are put in a building. They each get their own individual apartment. And they never meet each other in person until they're evicted from the show week by week.
0: That's Eitan Smallman. He's a journalist based in the UK, and he wrote a deep dive on the circle for the New York Times. They only see each other through pictures. Contestants carefully choose the photos that flash on screen when they interact with others.
3: Uh, So the the crucial bit is that they can choose how they portray themselves.
0: They can choose to play themselves using their real pictures, or they can go the catfish route. Like a 29-year-old black guy named Seaburn who went by the name Rebecca using his girlfriend's photos. In the circle,
4: I'll be playing the character Rebecca because I got the jokes, but I'm using my girlfriend's pictures because she's gorgeous. We've been together for about two years. It's magical. She's like Cinderella. And I'm like the ugly frog that's like, hey lady, you want to be my girlfriend? She's like, sure, sweet (laughs) thing.
3: And I thought it was really interesting that an idea on paper where uh, people are sitting in rooms individually by themselves, just talking to themselves, uh, 24 hours a day doesn't sound like the most gripping idea for a, for a piece of entertainment, and yet somehow it, it did translate into, into a series that attracted particularly young people, which is, is what TV producers uh, are often after.
0: A typical day on the circle started like this.
3: There was a
2: massive speaker uh, in the room, and it would say, good morning, Chris. And I'd be like, Good morning, God. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly. The voice waking him up was a producer. And then right after getting up, we start getting your outfit ready for the day. And I love to be dressed, honey. And that was not just because I'm on a TV show. I like to get ready for the day. Put on some mug, do my hair, iron my clothes. Then you go to your
0: kitchen and you start cooking. Watching Chris on the screen, he was truly just living his life just, you know, with a million cameras on him. The only
2: time that camera went away was when nature called, if you know what I mean.
0: During the series, participants rank their favorite people in the circle from first to last. At the end of each episode, the two at the top of that particular round, dubbed the influencers, have the ability to eliminate someone. So if you avoid being eliminated, it's because people like you. You know, the you you've created. In episode six, chill bisexual Sammy and sweet nerd Bomb are the influencers. During their deliberations, production gives them snacks and cocktails, and they discuss who should stay and who should go. But, you know, with a wall between them.
3: Message, great, let's move on to Chris, send.
0: pros. he's super hilarious
4: and I'm always laughing every time I talk
5: to him, send. Message, the biggest thing is Chris is by far the smartest person in the circle. Chris can relate to every single person,
0: which is something I can't do by far. Cons are he could be a catfish. He's also a politician when it comes to answering questions and not stating any real opinions, send. Shubham thinks of Chris as like the circle mastermind. But when we spoke to
2: Chris, he said he didn't have a strategy. That's just who he is. Now, when I was in high school, Mariah, I would jump around every table. I guess they call it the floater. I never want to be in a clique. I'm never that person. I've always been kind of a leader type personality. So I would jump around and say hi to everybody every single person and I did the same thing on the circle if you notice. That's why when they start talking about we don't know where Chris really stands he just kind of talks to everybody true because I didn't want to be part of a clique and then it turns on me.
0: At one point Chris is an influencer with Shoe Bomb. And just to know a little bit about Shuby, as they call him, he's an Indian-American UCLA grad who randomly ran for California governor at one point. But he stands out on the show initially because he's kind of a social media hater. Ironically, he becomes one of the most beloved competitors, known for his sincere demeanor. But back to Chris and Shuby. Chris gets emotional thinking about having this power to eliminate someone because he knows they all want to win just as much as he does.
2: But I know I got to do what I got to do. And honey, I'm trying to get to the top, to the finish line. I want to be able to help my mom. I don't want us to struggle no more.
0: We learn there's a deeper reason behind him coming on the show, to help. His mom,
2: unfortunately, because of diabetes and 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 health issues, my mom has lost a lot of her back teeth, and so it sucks seeing your parents not be able to. Well, your mom not be able to chew her food correctly and sometimes choke on it because if you don't have your back teeth, it sucks and it's hard to just chew food with your front teeth. And uh, I thought a hundred thousand dollars, which was the prize on the circle, I'm like, oh my gosh, that could afford those teeth because dental implants in the United States of America are obscenely obscenely expensive. You'd literally have to be a wealthy person to afford that. Viewers loved Chris
0: and it's hard not to. He's hilarious and kind and his makeup was flawless. He's got all the ingredients to be a standout at a time when there are thousands of reality TV stars.
2: When people first meet me, they are like, girl, you're so confident. Where do you get it from? I said, honey, it's called god no.
0: He's a very spiritual person and was open about finding God when he was 14. But, you know, he told viewers with his very crisp spin on it.
2: He says, let your light shine before men so I showed up like a disco
3: ball.
0: Chris was true to himself and showed compassion even when catfished. It wasn't just about winning. It was about making real connections with his castmates, but also with us. And that's what this episode is all about, how being authentic propels you to the top. This is episode 10, The Circle and the Future of Reality TV. But first, a word from our sponsors. Chris is the type of person we want to keep tabs on. Like, I want to know what he's doing today,
5: tomorrow. Could we do a circle reunion in 10 years? You know, we're, we're at this moment, especially now, I think, with the media culture, where so much stuff is about nostalgia, so much stuff is about sentimentality. That's why, you know, we're seeing remake after remake after remake.
0: That's Raquel Gates. You remember her from previous episodes. She's an associate professor of cinema and media studies at the College of Staten Island, CUNY.
5: I'm thinking about, you know, the cast reunion of The Real World, which is like 30 years after the premiere of that show. And everybody I know who's my age is super excited about that because, you know, it's this opportunity to relive a moment from your youth. And so with some of these reality TV stars, I think that the better they're able to sort of carve out a space, um, you know, sentimentally in our hearts, uh, the more likely we are to continue following them and following them not just on the show, but in all of their endeavors that come after the show too.
0: For anyone wanting to be a reality TV star, Chris has some advice on how to get a call back.
2: Just be yourself. This ain't no interview for Wells Fargo. You better go in there and have a good old time and just be your 100% self. And I know everybody says that, be yourself. but You really got to know who you are. And don't lie. Don't try to, you know, be uh Miss Perfect or anything. If you're a hoe, say you're a big-ass hoe. Tell everybody, I'm the biggest hoe in the hood. I've had nine boyfriends. I got 30 kids. People want to hear reality and the truth. And so I went in there and I told my truth.
0: Chris was open with his story for coming on the show. It was to pay for his mom's dental work. I felt for him watching and so did another viewer,
2: Sia. Yes, like chandelier, cheap thrills, Sia. One morning I woke up. uh, This was right after the show had aired. I woke up and my phone was just beyond blown up. And I said, what happened? Did I cut somebody out on Twitter? Girl, it was uh, the whole world trying to get a hold of me that Sia had tweeted trying to get a hold of me. They got connected, and she told
0: him she was a big fan of him on the show, and she wanted to help him out. And she said,
2: Chris, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of everything that you were trying to do on this show. Sia covered his mom's dental work
0: and fixed the windows in her home. It's kind of crazy to think this A-list musician is coming to his rescue, but she connected to Chris. Part of that, I have to imagine, is his authenticity. When Chris showed his true self, he got others to do the same, especially Joey, this kind of beefy Italian guy. There's this scene of Joey on the roof in the hot tub. Chris invited him to a private chat, They're trading funny stories about getting drunk. Joey is the
3: definition
0: of macho. And then here he is telling the audience he loves Chris.
3: I love this kid. Come on,
2: message. If we party together, we would be a dangerous combination. Can you say wingman for life? Wingman, I was hoping more like, in quotations, the man. Hashtag the bromance is real, baby. Send.
0: But Joey isn't the only one who lets down his walls. Miranda, this tatted-up free spirit, shares that she was separated from her siblings and tossed in the foster care system.
2: Growing up for me was a bit tough. I moved around a lot and didn't really have a stable family, so kind of been a lone wolf. But my whole past doesn't define me.
0: Even though they're essentially texting, the players connect on a deep level. Even catfishing didn't break the bond between them. In fact, sometimes it brought them closer.
1: Yeah, like with Mercedes. She's a 27-year-old black woman with the longest lashes I have ever seen. Here's Joanna, my producer. She's hilarious and straight up with everyone. Chris and the other players love her, but there is some stuff they don't know about Mercedes. Yeah,
0: so in episode six, when she's eliminated, she picks to see Chris face-to-face because he's someone she bonded with. What's up, man?
2: Are you Mercedes? Are you fucking Mercedes? No
1: way. Chris finds out Mercedes is actually Karen, not the woman in the pictures.
0: She's this 37-year-old, chubby, self-described, 1,000 million percent lesbian from the Bronx.
2: Everything I said was me, yeah. Just the face, like Halloween. I kept it as real as
0: possible. Like, I kept it as real as possible.
1: If anyone's watched Catfish on MTV, you might think Chris is going to feel betrayed by this news. But it didn't matter to him. Mercedes, Karen, he said he connected to the person inside
0: their exchange really caught me off guard. I mean, I thought Chris might be a little mad, but he was unfazed. You forget that she had just told him she lied to him the whole
2: time. That personality Mercedes exuded, your personality, that's my homegirl. I said, I don't know (laughs) if this bitch is real or not, but I said, whoever the fuck is behind Mercedes, I want to be friends with regardless.
0: I said that about you every
2: day, not every day, but every day.
1: Karen says on the show that she thought playing as herself would have been hard because she felt her boyish style intimidated people. Yeah, she thought
0: picking Mercedes would not only win over the guys, but would get the girls to befriend her, too.
1: Yet, she tells Chris she admired him for being himself on the show, especially as an openly gay man. I
2: came here to prove that you can't judge a book by its cover. If you would have played you, you still would have been my number one imaginary homegirl.
0: So, when Karen is eliminated from the circle, a new player shows up, Sean.
1: Yes, Sean is 25 and from New York City. She's white, blonde, bubbly, and she does social media for a plus size fashion company.
4: Fat girls always have to outshine everyone else in order to be even noticed. If I looked a different way, then someone would be like, oh my God, she's hilarious and she's so talented. But the fact of the matter is, people treat fat people like crap, so I'm going to show up as them.
0: She uses her friend Colleen's photos, who has that sort of all-American bombshell look down.
1: Sean says at the end of the day, the circle's a game, and she figures her personality combined with Colleen's looks will be a winning combination. But the thing is, Sean gets burnt out on lying pretty quick. She decides to spill the beans in a group chat with the ladies and Chris.
4: <sighs> Message. Right now, my gut is telling me to trust you. I have to be honest. I have a bit of a secret. <laughs> okay, Chris says, honey, I promise you, you can trust me with anything. The truth is, The photos that I am
0: using are not mine. And let's point out that one of the ladies is Rebecca, AKA Seaburn, AKA a catfish.
4: Message, Chris, Rebecca, Sammy. Here is a photo of the real
0: me. It's a very cute pic.
2: Oh, she's gorgeous. Are you kidding me? She's absolutely gorgeous.
4: I am a plus size girl who works in plus size fashion. Everything that I have told you, aside from my photos, is 100% me. The only reason that I did this is because I know how mean people can be online. It's not because I don't love myself, because I do.
1: She wanted to come clean to show viewers that she could be 100% herself and be accepted. But that doesn't mean she wasn't nervous.
2: You are absolutely gorgeous. God makes no mistakes. And he didn't start with us. Send message.
3: Wow. That is a
4: powerful message, Chris. I'm just kind of like in shock right now. I'm just like I'm really happy that everyone's responded so well.
1: Watching how they all respond, I'm like, wow, is this cast just super evolved? Like, they all have really great therapists. Because it's so wonderful how their instinct isn't to take it personally, instead They're curious. They want to know why someone felt like they had to lie in the first place.
0: Yeah, like maybe they can expect a certain level of manipulation. So it's like water under the bridge.
1: It's interesting because as we pointed out earlier, there's a bunch of versions of the show. UK, Brazil, France, and apparently the US version stuck out a bit.
0: Yeah, in an interview, one of the circle's creators said compared to the UK and Brazil versions where the players were more backstabby and suspicious, the Americans tended to be more, quote-unquote, morally centered.
1: We asked Chris about this, and he thought it might have something to do with the moment we're in right now in terms of politically, socially, racial justice—
2: I think the climate in America, maybe people were looking for something like that because before the circle, you know, we're living in some very fascinating times where people are being torn apart by forces larger than us. And so for the world to have seen something like this, I think it was perfect timing. I didn't have to act out a character. I didn't have to belittle somebody. I didn't have to uh, hate anybody. And the world said, yes, 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 yes.
0: Even though Chris didn't win the circle, he still got a lot of value from being on the show. He's got Sia as a friend and more than half a million followers on Instagram.
2: People from all over the world, Mariah, even in the Middle East, honey, where you can't be gay, honey. These people write me and they are just blown away at the fact that one, I'm gay, but two, I'm gay and I believe in God the way I do. And it has been such a blessing uh, being a part of this
0: show. Social media is the foundation of the circle and Chris's ongoing stardom. This idea that social media allows you to be whoever you want. Back in the days of the real world, there wasn't a linear path post-show, but social media changed all that. Twitter launched in 2006, Instagram in
5: 2010, And so for me, I think that the rise of social media has really changed the landscape of of reality television and also people on reality television because the show isn't just the show anymore. Here's Raquel again. I mean, audiences are like, they're checking people's Instagrams, they're checking what they say on Twitter, they're noticing who's still following who, and they're kind of using all of that information and taking it into how they're reading the shows. And one of the things that I've noticed, I'd say over the past, you know, five years or so, is that the shows themselves are having to address all of this stuff that's happening on social media and in these spaces outside of the show.
0: With social media, the networks and streaming services aren't the gatekeepers anymore.
5: When you couple that with an increasingly savvy reality TV cast type, then I think you get people who are able to leverage this into full-time careers. Sure,
0: the Kardashians are the example that comes to mind. They fully leveraged reality TV from promoting products to eventually becoming the product themselves. But the Kardashians weren't no-names. They were able to sell a show to E! in the first place. So what's interesting is how social media has evened the playing field in a lot of ways. The Chris Sapphires of the world, who don't have a famous parent, can get on a show and continue to capitalize on that fame with the help of Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, really whatever social media app you can think of. After the break, Joanna joins me for one last chat. We'll discuss where Reality TV is headed, but first, a word from our sponsors. So, Joanna, we are at episode 10, the end of our series, and I have a big question.
1: Drumroll, please. What's the future of reality TV? (laughs) It's almost like an existential question for me. Like, a part of my brain blacks out when you ask that.
0: (laughs) Right. I mean, reality TV is just exploding.
1: 100%.
0: Coming into this conversation, I was thinking about the shows that didn't make it into the series, but really say something about the moment we're in.
1: Yeah, one show that you've brought up that I think about is Terrace House. Oh, I am obsessed with Terrace House. Okay, so for people who haven't watched, what's the show about… So, it's sort of like the real world, but a lot
0: more mundane. Um, It's a Japanese reality show that thankfully airs on Netflix here in the U.S., and they take six strangers, three men, three women, throw them in an amazing house with amazing cars, and just see what happens.
1: (laughs) I love that. So, I've only watched a little here and there, but what stands out to me is just how raw, it feels. Like, I remember I watched the first episode of the Hawaii season, and they all just sat around the table and talked about their jobs and where they grew up. It didn't feel produced at all. Like, if anything, it felt like it needed some producing. But that's what I love about the show. It's almost boring,
0: but in a very comforting way. I could see that. I mean, one of the standout moments that sent viewers reeling was a
1: miscommunication over steak. Basically, one of the housemates had a fancy steak that a client had given to him as a gift. He was saving it for, like, a special occasion. He comes home, and it's gone.
0: Yeah, like, this is a very typical roommate scenario, like, who ate my food?
1: What throws me off is how calm and collected he is, Like on a typical American reality TV show, I feel like someone would be screaming or throwing a plate at the wall. But he's just like, hey guys, wondering why you ate my steak? Even if you don't speak Japanese, in this clip, you can just tell the vibe by the
3: tone of his voice. He just
1: keeps asking, why? Why did you eat my meat?
0: He also explains what it meant to him as a gift and how his client gave him written instructions on how to cook it, which I guess is actually a Japanese custom, like spending time finding really thoughtful souvenirs or gifts for people.
1: Yeah, I like how he thoroughly explains why it's upsetting. Then they're just like, I'm sorry, I'm very sorry. And I'm watching this like, what? (laughs) This never happens on shows. Like an apology is usually dragged out for at least a few episodes, if not until the reunion.
0: And I can't stress enough, this was like the blow up on the show. And to be fair, it does carry over a little bit, and a couple almost breaks up over it, but nothing like a real Housewives cat
1: fight. Do you think this moment shook people so much because there's just zero drama on the show? You know, I think it shook people because it was just such a big quote-unquote fight.
0: There were tears and a confrontation, which we rarely see on the show in this context.
1: There were tears and a confrontation, but did it still feel like like, level two compared to, like, level 10 of, like, Housewives? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so when you brought up Terrace House to me, I loved this idea of mundane realism because some of it actually reminds me of the shows we talked about at the beginning of the series, like An American Family and Early Real World. Like, I think of that tape we had of Bill reading the mail, so fly on the wall, no overproduced drama, It's like we're coming full circle.
0: Yeah, it's totally like real world meets an American family, but also it has these uniquely Japanese elements. Like there's this one thing, they have a panel of celebrities that come in occasionally to comment on what's going on, which is actually a staple of Japanese variety shows.
1: Yeah, writing for BuzzFeed, Mia Nakaji Munie said this type of reality TV is like the bread and butter of Japan.
0: I mean, for me, the show is comforting, especially after maybe a night of Vanderpump Rules or Housewives or, you know,
1: just watching the news. Why do you think it is so comforting? Well, for
0: one, as an American watching it, it has my full attention because I'm reading subtitles. So there's no phone. It's just me and Terrace House. And you can hear their feet shuffle, them chopping food, and simply breathing. Refinery29 even referenced the show having a gentle hypnosis, and I totally agree.
1: Yes, and this could be another way reality TV is changing. Instead of the U.S. just importing properties abroad, we're also receiving a lot of content that feels really fresh and new to Americans.
0: So, okay, I got us talking Tara's house, but is there a show that feels kind of ahead of its time to you?
1: Yes, I would have to say I've been really enjoying Are You the One on MTV. I've been watching season eight. It's a competition dating show, right? Right, so the idea is there's a bunch of people tossed in a house, it's a beautiful house in Hawaii, and a panel of experts has identified a perfect match for each of them. And if they each find their match, they collectively win $1 million. I have no idea if my perfect match is gonna be a male or a female. I'm attracted to both genders. I'm ambidextrous, for example. I use both hands. No one's ever questioned that I'm just strict to one hand. You know what I mean? It's like the same thing. What's unique about season eight is everyone in the house is sexually fluid. And when I first flipped it on, I just realized how this isn't a batch of folks you often see on reality TV.
0: Totally. I could see this being one of the concepts that upends the success of suitor shows like The Bachelor or Bachelorette.
1: Yeah, especially since the premise of like The Bachelor and Bachelorette is inherently hetero. Like, if you had a gay bachelor… Who is to stop the contestants from dating each other? So the premise itself is kind of built on being straight as a default. So in
0: order to find their match, I'm guessing they have to get to know each other.
1: Yes, the one could be any of them. So it makes for some messy drama.
3: Um, I heard that there was a five-some last night.
1: There was a five-some?
3: I don't know who it is. Oh. I'm, I'm well, I was in
1: there. I'd be spilling all the tea. I also love that the breakout star of that season is Kai. Kai's the hunk, the flirt, and Kai is trans, has bleach blonde hair, and he's usually walking around the house shirtless or rocking an unbuttoned button-down.
0: I lived the first like 20-something years of my life as a completely different person, and now I'm in a new frame of mind, I'm in a new body, I've got a brand new $10,000 chest, but I also feel like I'm like new to relationships.
4: I, like, how
2: long have you been
0: doing it? Mine hasn't been very linear. Like, I was like on testosterone for about like four to five months, and then I got off of it for a couple okay. months.
1: Because I was a little bit scared, and also I'm just like feeling it
4: out.
3: Like, yeah.
0: my identity is not like linear, like male to female.
1: And so like, that's me unpacking like, how masculine like do I want to become? Kai goes on to say, There's a lot of books and media out there for cis dating, but nothing out there for trans dating. And I just thought that was powerful to hear.
0: And, you know, it's great to see a major network like MTV navigating these conversations so thoughtfully. Totally. It's not lost on us, too, that we started this series with Lance and Norman where being out was still very controversial. For sure. But when I think about it, both Terrace House and Are You the One are playing against preconceived notions for what makes good television.
1: Right. Terrace House is telling us we don't need over-the-top drama. Although there's been queer dating shows before, I kind of hope concepts like Are You The One stick because it's fresh and it's embracing all gender and sexual identities in a way viewers might not see in their day-to-day lives.
0: You know, sometimes it feels like reality TV likes to put people in really specific boxes.
1: But maybe the best TV is made when there aren't any boxes at all.
0: Spectacle is a production of Neon Hum Media. The show is hosted and co-produced by yours truly. Lead producer Joanna Clay reported and wrote this episode. Jonathan Hirsch and Shara Morris are our executive producers. It was edited by Katherine St. Louis. Our associate producer is Chloe Chobel. Our engineer is Scott Somerville. Thanks to Andrew Epen for his original music. Laura Bullard is our fact checker. And special thanks to Raquel Gates, Haley Fager, Vikram Patel, and Shauna Shiro. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at spectacle_pod. pod. I'm Mariah Smith, and that's a wrap on season one of Spectacle. I hope I've convinced you to feel zero guilt over your Bravo binge watching. Stay tuned to the feed for what's coming next.